is the chain breaker, isn't he? How many of you can give a testimony of that? He's a chain breaker, absolutely, amen. Thank you, thank you so much. It, if he just had a little more energy, it would go better, wouldn't it? But <laughs> thank you, brother, for doing a great job today, and for Amy and Keith and, and Becca and Stan. I think I got them all covered, didn't I? Thank you for all that you do. Again today, we approach Golgotha, a place called the Skull, a place of Calvary. Calvary, where prophecy was fulfilled from throughout all the Old Testament. Calvary, to that fountain thrown from Emmanuel's veins, where sinners plunged beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Calvary, where the dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. Calvary, where a dying Savior speaks words of life. Jesus spoke seven different times from the cross of Calvary, if you'll remember. First, for the forgiveness of his, forgiveness of his enemies, those who had scourged him, those who had plucked his his beard from his face, those who had placed a crown of thorns on his head, and ultimately for those who had led him to Calvary and crucified him, nailing him to the cross. He spoke first for the forgiveness of his enemies. Secondly, he gave a promise to a dying thief, if you'll remember, a repentant man who said, have mercy or remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him today, you will be with me in paradise. Today, we turn to the third thing that he uttered from the cross. And we find it recorded in the gospel as given to us by John in chapter 19, verses 25 through 27. The scripture says, now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to Mary, woman, behold your son. Then he said to his disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. Let me set the stage afresh this morning as we come to Golgotha, as we come to the place of the skull, to Calvary, to the cross where Jesus has been crucified. There were three crosses, if you'll remember, on that day on the top of that hill called the skull. There were two thieves, one on either side of Jesus, and Jesus being nailed to the cross in the center. There was a crowd there that day. Some of them had been jeering and mocking him. Some of them had made fun of him. Others had cried crucify him over 
and over again until he finally is nailed to the cross. There was a crowd. Those that would walk by and say, if he's the son of God, let him prove it. And then others who were just nosy, wanting to see what was taking place, all gathered that day. And then there's the Marys and John. Mary, his mother, his earthly mother. Mary, who had been a virgin, and the Holy Spirit of God overwhelmed her and overcame her, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit of God, and she bore a son. And she was even told that she would call his name Emmanuel, Jesus, God with us. John was there, the beloved disciple who referred to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. None of the other gospels said that about John. None of the other writers of the gospel mentioned that at all. But John, it's not that he was special and set apart, but it was the fact that he could not overcome what he understood that Jesus loved him. The very Son of God, God incarnate, that he had followed through his earthly ministry for those three and a half years, he could not believe that he was loved by him and Jesus would give himself for John. And he calls himself the one whom Jesus loved. Standing near the cross they were. We don't know how close they were to the cross, but we do know they were within hearing distance and listening distance to what Jesus had to say. And then you have the one, if I could say it this way, on center stage. The one on the center cross. The one who had never sinned. The one who was born of a virgin. The very son of God. The one who lived a perfect life without any mistakes. The one who knew everything. God he was in the flesh. Being all man as though he were not God at all, but being all God as though he were not man at all. We don't understand that, but we believe it all. He was the God-man. The birth announcement put Mary as a woman of sorrows, troubled, ridiculed in scorn of being an unwed mother-to-be giving birth in a cattle stall because there was no room for her in any dwelling place in Bethlehem, having to flee to a foreign country after the birth of the Lord Jesus when he was close to two years old because Herod was trying to get rid of him and, and ordered that every male child two years old and younger be killed, watching as the one whom she had known to be the Son of God, being despised, rejected, hated, and ultimately nailed to the cross. There he is, crucified, dying on the cross, not only for the thief that was repentant, not only for John and the other disciples, and for his mother, Mary, but dying on the cross for the sins of the whole world, 
world past, world present, and world future. Jesus died and took upon himself the sins of the whole world. Mary later found it was better to know Jesus as her Lord and Savior than to know him as her son. As her Savior and, and Lord, he has gone to prepare a place for her, just like he did for John, better than the one that John could provide when he assigned her to be. Staying with him, a woman of sorrows. First, he severed his first earthly relationships with her, taking care of unfinished business before he died. No longer was she to be called his mother, he was her savior. He calls her woman, not mother, implies that when they meet again, things will be much different than they were during his time on this earth and during the time that she cared for him. She is not the mother of God. She was a woman who was chosen in her flesh to bring forth the firstborn and only son of God to come to be for us and to live for us and to die for us. God incarnate. God in the flesh. He provides ministry for her through his friend John. Honoring her and respecting her even while he is taking care of the serious eternal business of the cross even as he is at the point of taking on the sins, and Paul helps us to understand that he became sin for us, the one who never knew any sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And there he is on the cross, taking care of that debt that we owed that we could not pay, taking care of our hell that we should have suffered so that we could experience glory and heaven, taking care of our guilt that we might know forgiveness, taking care of our sin that we may live forgiven of sin. He provides ministry for her through John as he honors her and respects her even while dying on the cross for the sins of the whole world, including Mary. There you have Mary near the cross, a woman of sorrows, a woman of much pain, a woman who had seen her son that she had brought into this world as the son of God suffer greatly, to be misunderstood, to be ridiculed, to be falsely accused, and to see the crowd go from praising him to rejecting him and jeering him. A woman of sorrows, the birth announcement even. Mary was troubled, the scripture says, 
at the words that the angel spoke to her. The ridicule and scorn of being an unwed mother-to-be that she was and what others had to say about her. And as I mentioned, having to flee to a foreign country. Watching as the one that she knew was the Son of God to be crucified on the cross. John, I said, was there. He was attentive to the words of Jesus. Interestingly enough, through all that Jesus was suffering and through all that he was dealing with and taking on the sins of the whole world, as I mentioned, he took the time to take care of Mary. Jesus spoke to John in particular and told him to do his work by taking care of Mary. John responds in obedience, the scripture said, and he took her to his house to care for her and to help her through her time of pain. Obedient? Why? Because he loved Jesus. As we think about that, as we think about the awesome death that Jesus died on Calvary, as we think about the words he has spoken to the repentant thief, about the words he has spoken to the Father in a prayer about all of those who had jeered and crucified him. Father, forgive them. Now he takes the time to care for his earthly mother that from now on he would be her Lord. He would be her Savior. He would be her Christ. Obedient. Mary was obedient to what God had her to do. The other one of which we speak, John, was obedient to do what Jesus asked of him and never got over throughout his ministry that Jesus loved him personally. Have you ever come to that place in your life? Have you come to the place in your walk where you are simply overwhelmed that Jesus loves you? Jesus loves you. With all that you've done wrong, with all of the thoughts that you've had that are contrary to his perfect will for you in your life, for all of the deeds where you have miscued and done that which was disobedient to his perfect will for you as a child of God. For all of our failures are not t- of not telling others about the loving Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross for their sins. And we watch a world that is hurting and dying without Christ and we open not our mouths. Yet Jesus loves us and cares and is willing to forgive us even of our disobedience, of our failures, of our times of not living out in the flesh what he speaks to our heart about, of the times that we have been disobedient and not stated in his word that it may speak to us and teach us and equip us to walk in a godly manner. And all of the times that we have 
turned our back on the price that he paid, and we've taken Christianity for, and our forgiveness for granted, and we give no thought to what it cost him, the perfect, innocent, holy Son of God, dying for our sins, further than that, becoming our sins, as we've mentioned already, that we may know the forgiveness of God in Christ Jesus. If I don't understand anything else about what takes place here on the cross and the words of Jesus and what he has suffered for us and what he has given to us, I know one thing. We ought to be ashamed of ourselves this very morning by the way we've not lived in a holy way day in and day out, the way that we've not served him as we ought to serve him, the way that we've not praised him as we ought to praise him, and we take church for granted, and we take the privilege of being together in the house of God for granted, and we don't come with hearts that are overjoyed and leaping with joy because Jesus has saved us and given us life and given us a calling and given us purpose and calls us to follow him and be his disciples in a world that so badly needs to see the evidence of a changed life that Jesus lives. We come into this place today having lived our lives the way we wanted to, having said the things we wanted to say, having done the things we wanted to do, and many times without taking a single thought as to the will of God in our lives. Jesus spoke directly to John, and John never got over it, never. As I said, he called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved, not excluding anyone else by his statement, but the fact that he was overwhelmed, overjoyed, blessed with that truth that Jesus loves John. When's the last time you've been overwhelmed by that truth? When is the last time that your heart and your mind, your, your, your being has simply been overwhelmed when you think about the truth? Jesus loves you. Jesus cares about you. Jesus took biz, care of business on the cross for you. And his Holy Spirit spoke to you and called you into faith to follow Jesus, to know him personally, and to inherit eternal life in Jesus. Wow. Think about just that truth I've said to you and ask yourself the question, does my life reflect a gratitude that I ought to have? Am I, proud, am I proud of myself or am I proud of Jesus 
Do I want to do things my way or do I want to do them Jesus' way? Do I want praise and glory for any goodness I've done or do I want Jesus to get all of the praise and the glory for my life and that I want to live it in such a way that points others to faith in him because of what he's given to me and what he's done for me? From the cross, he spoke to John, and John never got over it. And may I say to you, from the cross, he speaks to you, and he speaks to me, and he speaks to everyone. The problem is, we seem to get over it, rather to conform and serve him like the Savior, the Son of God, who loves us. Is there any among us that can't not get over the fact that Jesus loves you? I dare say, so many times in our lives we get over that. We just take it for granted. But if I don't say anything else today, I want you to hear from John, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. He even took time to speak to me while dying on the cross. He took time to acknowledge me while taking care of the sins of the whole world. Can I tell you, if you are saved, if you are born again, Jesus has taken the time to call on your name. He's taken the time to speak to your heart. He has taken the opportunity to tell you, I love you. It's so easy for our humanity to lead us away from that spiritual walk and closeness to the Lord Jesus Christ. Discipleship starts at the cross. When we look at the cross, when we think of the cross, when we think of the words from, of the Savior from the cross, when we realize that he took upon himself our sins, our failure, and he died so that we might have forgiveness and have life both abundantly now but everlastingly with him in a place called heaven, he has promised that. And when we think about that, we ought to be overwhelmed as John. I am the one Jesus loves. I am the Rick that Jesus loves. I am the saved man that Jesus loves. I should never have a day when I'm over it. We would have a tendency to say, well, you know, the words of the preacher are well and good, but we live in the real world. What world is more real than dying on the cross? 
What suffering is greater than taking the sins of the whole world when you're pure and you're holy and you're righteous and you're undefiled and taking the sins of the whole world on yourself and dying for lost humanity? I'm the rich. Jesus loves. Stand. You're the stand that Jesus loves. Aren't you tired of that not controlling your life every day? Aren't you tired of that? Aren't you tired of the news controlling your life? Aren't you tired of the ways of the world controlling your life? Aren't you tired of everything else under the sun controlling what you do, where you go, what you speak, how you live? Instead of it being under the Son of God, thy will be done. Oh, Jesus, work in me. I can't get over the fact that you love me. And because of that, I'll serve you all the days of my life. I think the songwriter had a, somewhat of an understanding of this, if not a full understanding of this. You'll remember this old hymn. Jesus, keep me near the cross. There a precious fountain, free to all, a healing stream flows from Calvary's mountain. Near the cross, O Lamb of God, bring it scenes before me. Help me walk from day to day with its shadow o'er me. Near the cross, I'll watch and wait, hoping, trusting ever, till I reach that golden strand just on the other side of the river. Near the cross. John never got over being near the cross. Our problem is we've gotten over it. Don't you just want to go back a few years? Don't you want to back up a few steps? Want you to go to back to another dress where you used to live? Don't you want to change an activity of yesteryear? And go back and start right at the foot of the cross where you first saw the light and the burden of your heart rolled away. That's what Jesus wants. That's what he wants in your life and mine. That we never, ever get over. Jesus loves me. Little children know it. Sing it with me. Jesus loves me. This 
I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him. That's right. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. That ought to be your morning prayer. That ought to be our attitude of our heart. Jesus loves me. I just can't get over it. Let's pray together. Father, we're overwhelmed by your love for us and Jesus' love and giving himself on the cross and all of his pain and suffering. Lord, we're thankful for the message that John gives us in his gospel and even tells us about him being there at the foot of the cross and there with Mary and Jesus talking to him from the cross. Jesus, speak to our hearts today as the one who hung on the cross our sins. And may, may we put all the silliness aside, all of the unfaithfulness aside, all of the will of our flesh aside, and all of the business of our life, and all of the garbage of this world. May we put it to the side and stay near the cross and be reminded every day that you so loved gave Jesus, and Jesus loves us, who died willingly that we might have life, forgiveness, and glory. In his name we pray, amen. Let's stand together.